church. Give yourself a hand. You got out of bed today. Come on. You look beautiful. You look beautiful. You didn't only get out of bed, but you put your makeup on before you got here. Come on. Give yourself a hand for that. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Adam Jones. I am one of the ministers here at the Red Wing Church. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. Um, hopefully, when you get to meet him inside this morning, in the auditorium, you receive a um, worship guide. Uh, it's just a um, piece of paper. It's got a perforated edge, also known as a terrible piece of paper. It's the most terrible piece of paper you'll ever have in your entire life. Make sure that you just uh, fill out all these things. Some of you will get it in a minute. Those of you that are regular attenders, you're just rolling your eyes at me, and that's why I'm always laughing, because you tell us every week. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Just fill out any information that you feel comfortable sharing with us. Um, if you give me your address, I will send you a handwritten card to say thank you for giving us. That's my only guarantee, um, other than we won't hassle you. We're not going to drop cookies off at your church. I used to work for, at your house. I used to work at a church that uh, would deliver cookies that asked us to send anyone that came to church for the first time. We're not going to do that. Maybe you like cookies. I don't know. And I apologize if you do, but we don't like stalkers. So it's a little stalkerish, and uh, we don't want to stalk you. Uh, that's, that's our guarantee. We will not stalk you at that or next to the church. So, um, again, thank you so much for being here. We're in the middle of a series called Uncommon. This is week number four, and I'm just going to jump right in this morning to Uncommon. Our series has had this, this overall like, like theme, and the theme for the series has been that great relationships are possible, but not probable. Great relationships are possible, but not probable. And the reason for that is because just like everything else in life, there are two ways to do it. There are two ways to do relationships. There's, there's the world's way to do relationships, and there's God's way to do relationships, period. It's, it's like everything in life. And so we've said that relationships are one of those areas of our lives that you cannot afford to do it the world's way because it costs you too much. Think about it. When you do relationships the world's way, it causes heartbreak. It causes... Um, thoughts about yourself that aren't true. And so we're trying our best to establish the way we do relationships God's way. And we've said this, that if you are going to do relationships God's way, you have to have a different approach to relationships than everyone else. We call it an uncommon approach. You have to have an uncommon approach to relationships, meaning that you have to do things that aren't common. You have to do things that are different than other people. And now, let me just say that um, I'm not just talking about marriage, although I will refer to marriage earlier or later on, my bad. Um, I will refer to marriage because um, marriage is probably one of the most common forms of relationships that we have. But everything that, like all relationships, can, can, we can learn about all types of relationships when we talk about, about relationships today. So uh, when we talk about connections. So, um, our, our theme verse for this, this passage is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You can turn there, or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app um, on your cell phone. Um, if you have the Bible app, if you downloaded the Bible at all, then you probably have the YouVersion app. Um, you can get there by following the directions on the screen. 
Since I learned that, that she listens to it on two times, I'm like, I got to come out swinging. I got to come out fired up, talking fast, making sure people can, like, because I don't want to be able to listen to my message on two times anymore. If I talk too fast, that's why. No apologies, but that's why. So, um, but I want to invite you along this journey with me. Um, try to keep up, uh, laugh, um, say amen, preach. When Darren was, um, was up here talking, Come on, all right, preach, all right, all right, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, some of you guys are going, man, I have never been to a church like that, good, good. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do we become transformed the way God, uh, according to, to God's word? We do it by changing the way we think. So I've got a job today. Some of you guys have come into this auditorium and you've got some ideas about God. You've got some, some thoughts about God. And my, my job today is not an easy task. That's why I've got God on my side to help change your mind. Because ladies and gentlemen, I cannot change your mind, but God can. And that's what this, that's what this passage is saying. It, it goes on, it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, which is pleasing, and which is perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that you can have relationships that are good, that are pleasing, and that are perfect. But it's going to require you to transform the way you think about it going to require you to transform the way you think about marriage or the way you think about relationships. And so um, week one, we talked about uncommon love. Again, you can go and you can listen to it on two times on iTunes if you want to. Talk about uncommon love. And then the, the next week we talked about uncommon commitment, how we need to, to, to rediscover the word never when it comes to marriage. I will never leave Tanya. talked about uncommon communication last week. Today we're talking about uncommon 
conflict when all the married people said amen. Come on. You, you know, you married people know that conflict is real. Next week, we're going to talk about uncommon influence. Conflict is real. Conflict happens. Someone told me one time that marriage is a lot like a deck of cards. At the beginning, you have two hearts and a diamond. And by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. <laughs> that was a good one. That's funny. But here's why. Here's why. Because uh, I, I saw an Instagram post um, by Les and Leslie Perot. and Leslie Perot, um, they said this, they said, conflict is the price that we pay for a deeper level of intimacy. Woo, that'll preach. Conflict is the price that we pay for a deeper level of intimacy. That's why it happens when it comes to marriage. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we, as we go on. And so this morning, I want to give you four reasons for conflict to begin with. Four reasons for conflict. If you're taking notes, Please write these down. If you're not taking notes, please write these down. Four reasons for conflict. Number one is poor communication. Poor communication. Uh, we talked about communication last week, so I'm not going to rewind and, 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 and re-deliver that. But I will say that the tongue has both power to bring death and life. The tongue has power to bring both death and life. I heard uh, another story about, about a married guy that said to his wife, like, how can you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? And she said to him, to him well, like, God made me beautiful so that you would be attracted to me. He made you stupid so that I'd be attracted to you. I'm on a roll this morning. Fellas, do yourselves a favor. Just don't go there. <laughs> Just don't go there. You don't stand a chance. You don't stand a chance in that in that argument. You better be thankful for the goodness of God. Uh, Psalm chapter one forty one verse three says, "Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips." So oftentimes, the conflict that we find ourselves in intensifies because of our inability to communicate clearly. Our inability to communicate with love, which we talked about last week. Every response to conflict, hear me loud and clear, ladies and gentlemen, every response to conflict isn't always to go straight to that person. A lot of times when we go straight to the person, we say something that we really don't want to say. Instead, the first response, the first step in dealing with conflict is going to God first and asking him to, to, to deal with us. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. We have to learn to go to God first and communicate with him about our conflicts before you communicate with anybody else. Number two, the second reason for conflict is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. 
this is the basis of all our anger. Ladies and gentlemen, we get angry so often in our lives because we have set our hearts on some sort of expectation in a relationship. We expect to be treated this way or we expect to be treated that way. And what happens when our heart doesn't get what it wants is our hearts become angry and we become our hearts become ticked because of an unfulfilled expectation that we might have. James chapter 4 verse 1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I love this passage. This is the first one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You wanted something. You had a desire, but you didn't get it. So it, it causes a fight. It causes a quarrel. Verse 2 goes on and says, you desire, but do not have. cannot get what you want, and so, because you covet and you cannot get what you want, you quarrel and you fight, it says. And so you quarrel and fight. Look at the last verse, or the last sentence. You do not have, because you do not ask God. Ladies and gentlemen, so many of the conflicts that we have in our life take place because we are putting it on other people to provide only what God can provide. We have unfulfilled expectations because we put the expectations on the person and not the Savior. Because we put our expectations on the person and not the Creator. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that God is able to fill all of your expectations. Stop putting them on somebody else and start putting them on the God that fills them. Maybe the reason for our unfulfilled expectations in our relationships is based on unrealistic expectations. Number three, third reason for fights, for conflict is despising differences. Despising differences. The very thing that attracted you to your husband or your wife eventually is the very thing that you end up despising. Ty and I are polar opposites, and it works when I love her. It doesn't work when I'm mad. Because when I'm mad, and I'm, and I'm upset, and I'm irritated, maybe it's because of poor communication, or maybe it's because of unfulfilled expectations, because husbands, come on, I'm not going to go there. But so oftentimes we start to, to, to look at the differences instead of looking at them as, as something that brings value to our relationship. We start to look at them as something that we despise. Now, what's funny about this is, is when it comes to, to sports teams, our sports teams, we, um, we love it when our teams have things that are opposite, like, like, I want my team, the Chicago Cubs, I want them to have someone that can throw 100 miles an hour and someone that can throw 85. Like, like we need an, an Araldis Chapman, although he's not on our team anymore, that's something that's really different. I'm about to be on a sports team, and they don't really know that. But we need someone that can throw 100 miles an hour, and we also need someone that can throw 85 miles an hour. We need someone that can hit dingers and someone that can hit for average. The Patriots need Tom Brady and 
in our lives. And when I look at the United States of America, I can't help but to think that our nation used to thrive on differences. And now, we look at someone that's different than us and we get so hateful about them because they're different than you. We used to be a nation that would celebrate differences. In fact, our government is built on differences. In 1860, Harry Launder and former one-term congressman Abraham Lincoln, you guys have heard of him, right? Stunned the country by prevailing over three prominent rivals, William H. Seward, Salmon P. Chase, and Edward Bates, to win the Republican nomination as president. Perhaps equally surprising was that what Lincoln did after he was elected as president. He appointed his three rivals to serve on his cabinet. Seward was the Secretary of State, Chase was the Secretary of Treasury, and Bates became the Attorney General. People that were his rivals, he asked them to be on his team. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to become the United States of America again, we've got to, to become friends with our rivals. Stop looking at our differences as differences and start looking at them as values. I hate politics. By the way, if you want to look more into that, you can, you can get the book Team of Rivals by George Aaron Schultz. It's a great white man. Such a great presidency with, from Abraham Lincoln. He did so many things, but the reason why he did it was because he was willing to work with his foes, not just his friends. Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says, A house divided against itself is a house that cannot stand. Anytime we have conflict with someone else, we've got to take a look, a good long look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what is it that I want to do? Abraham Lincoln could not have teamed up with his rivals if he wasn't willing to take a look at himself and what he was doing. Number four. Uh, number four. our sin nature. Sin nature. Why do we go around and act like everyone's supposed to be perfect? Why do we go around looking like everyone's supposed to do exactly what we want them to do? The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Why do we expect people to be perfect? I can't expect people to be perfect 100% of the time. Now, some of you are here today, and, and, and you might, may have known that we were talking about conflict because I mentioned it last week. And you may have come, and you may have thought that I was going to tell you how to convince the other person on the other side of your conflict to get on your team. That's not how this is going to work. And I'm sorry. But so oftentimes, the conflict in our, in our lives happens so that we become a better person. So that we become closer to God. So that we draw closer to him so that we grow. 
So I want to give you four ways that we often do as conflict. Number one is my way. My way. So four reasons we have conflict. Now I'm going to give you four This is, this is the selfish way. This is, I'm dad and I said so. Because I said so, Graham, that's why. Graham, do I have something else you want to add to that? Number two is your way. Your way. So first we deal with my way, then we deal with it your way. This is the peacemaker way. This is where we say, you know what, I, I just don't feel like a fight right now. We can have it. We, you know, this, isn't, this really isn't. I wanted it to be, so go for it. The third way we deal with conflict is the one that many people think is the right way, and that is the halfway. The halfway. Right? So so that's when you can have your way half of the time, and I'll have my way half of the time, and I'll just be angry 50% of the time. Halfway. But the last way that we can deal with conflict is God's way. God's way. Now, you knew that was coming, and and hopefully for the rest of my message, we're going to focus on God's way to deal with conflict. Anytime that I've sat down with people to do some sort of counseling, which I'm not a counselor, but I do counsel people. That's kind of what a ministry does, right? And so when I counsel with them, my goal is to always, number one, care for their heart and connect it to God. That's what ministry are time that I sit down to counsel people, my goal is to care for their heart and connect them to God. And so if I'm going to care for your heart this morning, I have to get you to God's way. King Solomon was known as the wisest man to ever live. You can actually Google the wisest man to ever live, and at least the first two, one of them will be King Solomon's Wikipedia page. If you didn't know that King Solomon had a Wikipedia page, what is that? Google the wisest person to ever live. King Solomon is there. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, maybe. Some of you will recognize Ecclesiastes chapter 3 because it's been written into many songs. It says this, it says, There is a time for everything and a season and every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. And all of a sudden I hear, dun, 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 dun. No one's graduating today, so it just seems like Verse 3, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. But look at verse 5. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Ladies and gentlemen, what Solomon is talking about in verse 5 is conflict. You see... Anytime I get into a fight with somebody, I want to gather stones. I want to pick up stones. I want to pick them up and I want to put them in my hand. Now the question is, what do I do with those stones? Do I scatter them and throw them at people and start throwing stones at everybody? Or do I use them to build? And do I build an altar? Because ladies and gentlemen, you have a choice with the conflict in your life. You can either get, scatter stones and throw them at people, or you can gather them to build an altar. I love the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, talking about our three fathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis, the story of Jacob is one that I've recently fallen in love with. 
Jacob was a man that um, his, his grandfather was Abraham, who took Isaac and threw him on top of a mountain to slaughter him. And then Jacob was the one that stole his birthright from his brother. And you can read this story in Genesis chapter 28 and 29, but what happens is, is um, God tells Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman, so to go to this land that, that was called Paddan Aram. And he went to Paddan Aram to find his wife, and he sees this girl named Rachel, and his love at first sight So he goes to her to her dad named Laban, and he says to Laban, what will it take for me to marry your daughter, Rachel? Fellas, those of you that aren't married, I hope you're taking notes. You better go to the dad and ask him what's going to take to marry your daughter. That's all I'm going to say about that. But he goes to Laban, and he says, Laban, what will it take for you to marry your daughter? And, he, and Laban says to him, why don't you work for seven years? That sounds like a good number. Work for me for seven years. And so Jacob works for seven years to marry Rachel. And then on his wedding night, he sleeps with, with his wife. He wakes up the next morning only to find out that it's not Rachel that he married, but it's his, her sister Leah. How that happens, I have no idea. But he finds out that it's Leah the next day because Laban says to him, he goes to Laban and he goes, Laban, what's up with this? That's exactly what he says. What's going on? Like, like why, why did you give me Leah to marry? I wanted Rachel. And he says, well, it's not our custom to marry off the younger daughter first. We have to marry the older daughter, so I gave you Leah. I had to follow the custom. And he said, but I wanted to marry Rachel. And he says, fine, you know what? Enjoy the, the, the wedding week, which is what was, was custom. Enjoy the wedding week. And then at the end of the wedding week, I'll let you marry Rachel, but you're going to have to agree to work for me for seven more years. Jacob ends up working for Laban for 20 years. And their conflict, the, the conflict between the two of them, can you imagine? Like some of you don't like your in-laws already. Can you imagine if they, if they did that to you? And so he worked for Laban for over 20 years. Finally, uh, Jacob and his wives, they, they have enough. And, and they leave. And the Bible says that, that Jacob, Jacob runs away. They, they, they leave town. set up a pile of stones first. They set up an altar first. Because they realized that they had to set up an altar in order to go to God and say, God, what is it that you want from this relationship? Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be willing to gather stones and not scatter them. When you find yourself in the middle of a conflict, you can either scatter stones or throw them. Sorry, scatter them or gather them. Before you can resolve beef with someone, you have to be willing to look on the inside first. Look on the inside first. So here's a new thought. 
the new thought about conflict this morning is that conflict cannot continue without my uh, without my participation. Let me say that again. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. The conflict that you have going on in your life, ladies and gentlemen, it cannot go on without you. I don't have to wait on you to decide what happens in this conflict. When you wait for someone else to decide what's going to happen in the middle of a conflict, you give them all the power. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is the deep end. This is the deep end of the pool. This isn't a sermon that someone usually will preach at a church that's only two years old. By the way, our, our church turns two on March 3rd, and we cannot wait to celebrate the birth of our church. We hope that you consider being here to celebrate with us. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm this morning, I want you to know it's, it's my heart that I don't, I don't want to build a church. Because if, if, I were, if I were here to build a church, I wouldn't be talking about conflict this morning. I'd be talking about love and talking about loving each other and encouraging each other, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But if we're going to grow as individuals, then when we grow as individuals, we'll grow as a church. You see, my desire isn't to grow a church. My desire is to grow you. I want you to get closer to God today. Because the fact of the matter is, some of you are really far away from God, and some of you are really close to God. But if I do not waste, if, if my goal is not to waste your time, then my goal is to get you closer to Him, no matter what that looks like. Every Sunday we come here, that is my goal every single week, to get you closer to God. And if I'm not willing to get closer to God, then I can't accomplish that mission. So every day I do my best to get closer to Him, closer to Him, closer to Him. And because of that, I have to be willing to go to the deep end. So I hope you can swim this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, I got my floaties on. Come on. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in the earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know what happened in the Old Testament anytime an altar was built? An animal had to die. Now, we don't practice that any longer because of Jesus. Jesus, his death paid for us, and we no longer have to take an, an animal to the altar. However, we do have to take ourselves to the altar. When you say, I'm willing to gather stones to build an altar, something has to die, ladies and gentlemen. Anytime an altar is present, something has to die. It might as well be me. What Paul is saying here is, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ that lives inside of me. If I want Christ to live inside of me, I've got to die, ladies and gentlemen. Again, selfish world that isn't willing to die when it comes to conflict. 
We have to be, we have to find a way to remove ourselves from it, to grow from it, to see what God wants for us. And now is where the, the enemy starts to speak to me and say, none of them's coming back because we have to uh, go just keep on talking. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll be back. Okay, maybe not. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said, I die every day. When we build an altar, we give God the power in our lives to feed us, not the other person. See, some of you keep on praying, God change them. But God keeps waiting for you to say, God change me. Let's say that again, because that's better than what you gave me in your talk today. We keep praying, God changed them, but God keeps waiting for us to say, God changed you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27 tells, says, tell, uh, it tells us, sorry, to not let sun, the sun go down on our anger. So I want to I wrap this up this morning by giving you four quick ways, four quick uncommon responses to conflict. Four uncommon responses to conflict. Number one is, I will act and not react. I will act and not re- react. I will not let the sun go down on my anger towards my wife. It doesn't matter if we have to be up till 3 a.m. I will not go to, mad, go, go to bed mad at her. And so, maybe some of you this morning might just jot down some action steps when it comes to conflict in your life. Have a plan. Have a plan that, that this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to act and not react when it comes to conflict in your life. Write down things like, I'm not going to put it off. I'm going to take care of it right away. Write things down like, I will never call names. I will never call my wife a name. I will never call my kids names. Even if I have to tell them to go to bed three times before they go to sleep. I will not call my kids names. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, your kids will become what you call them. Your kids will become what you call them. Your kids will become what you speak over them. Call them a champion. Call them a leader. Call them love. Never raise your voice. This is something that we all have to work on in my house. Don't yell at each other. Don't get historical. I love that one. Don't get historical. Don't bring up the past fight, ladies. See, I picked on both the men and the ladies today. But I picked on the ladies last one, so you have to know Never say never or always. Never use the words of voice in your marriage. It shouldn't even be there. It should never come as a thought in your mind. Rediscover the word never when it comes to divorce in your life. Be committed to each other. 
I might kill you, Tanya, but I'm not going to divorce you. She knows that's not true. Number two, the second way that we can respond in, in an uncommon way to conflict is I will focus on the good in conflict. Focus on the good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy, and praise. Ladies and gentlemen, think about the good in this. Start with an author and not a rockstone context. Number three is I will apply God's grace to you. I will apply God's grace to you. Every time that I find a way to remember all that God has done for me, I discover the capacity to forgive other people. When I get back to everything that God has done for me, find a way to get back to that. Find a way to discover God's grace. Some of you may need to discover that grace today. Which brings me to the final reason, the final way that we respond to conflict. And that is that I will remember God's grace for me. First you have to get back to how God has forgiven you, but you can't get there if you've never been there. Ladies and gentlemen, When I look at my life, it has definitely been with much conflict. There has been so many things, so many fights and quarrels and things that I've been through. Things that I've had to forgive people for that they haven't asked me to forgive them for. But I had to get to a point in my life where I would forgive them regardless of how they, if, if they asked me to. Because I'm the only one that's in control of my heart. Not them. When you find yourself into a fight or into a conflict, you give that person control of your heart. Stop doing that. You're the one that's in control. The reason, the reason that conflict, I think, happens so many times in our lives. Because way back in the beginning, God created us perfect. He created us with a relationship. But something happened. And when that thing happened, when, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, they, they sinned and they disappointed God. They rebelled against him. And when they did that, you see before that they had a relationship with him. But when they chose to, to do things their way, all of a sudden conflict occurred. And because of that, all of us, every single person in this room, has conflict with God this morning because of our sin. But the reason we worship Jesus is because he came to resolve the conflict between you and God. I can't tell you how such good news 
that's the best news that we could ever have. That the, that the conflict between you and God can be resolved today. So do me this favor. Bow your heads, close your eyes, right where you sit. No one stand, no one look around, everyone right, stay right here in this moment. Because I believe that there is some conflict that needs to be resolved today. But ladies and gentlemen, I would be doing you no favors if I don't first resolve the conflict between you and God. But I can't do it. I wish I could. I wish I could. But I can't. Only you can. God has given you the control of your heart. And so, the Bible tells us that Jesus came. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father except through me. What he's saying there is that I've come to get you back to the God that created you. And that's why we come in every week to this school to bring people back into relationship with God. How many of you would say, Pastor Adam, as as, as boldly as you could as, that, that you would just dig down deep and find some courage this morning say Pastor Adam I need my conflict with God resolved today, would you, would you just do me a favor would you stick your hand up anybody like that at all, thank you anybody else there's conflict between me and God today How many of you say, Pastor Adam, there's, like, I, I feel like God and I are good. That's great. Because you put your faith in Jesus, and he's the one that, celib- that, that, that gets rid of the conflict. But how many of you would say, Pastor Adam, I've got some conflict in my, in my life, and I need to look to Jesus. And I need to build an altar and die to my desire. If you raise your hand and you say, Pastor Adam, I, I want to fix things with God today. Right there where you sit, you can do that. All you have to do is say this prayer in your heart, and it's not the prayer, it's the action, right? It's not the prayer, it's, it's, it's the action behind the prayer. It's the, the heart behind the prayer. So say this this prayer with me in your heart. Say it out loud if you have to. Say it with your mouth. Say, God, I know that I have sinned. And because of my sin, I know that there was conflict between us. So God, the best way I know how, I come before you and I ask you by the blood of Jesus to resolve that conflict between us. To forgive me of all the wrong that I have done. And to come into my life to make me new. 
help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I want to pray for those of you that are going through conflict right now. I want to pray for some altars to be set up. And just like every single week, we have our, our prayer team that's, that's at, at the stairs here. That they would love to pray over you today. They would love to pray about the conflict and help you build that altar to resolve that conflict. They're, they don't, they're not going to air out your dirty laundry. They don't want to do that. They just want to pray with you. They just want to go, go before God with you. So when I'm done praying, we're going to stand. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing. We're going to leave here on a high note. We're going to be excited about what God is going to do for the week in front of us because it's February break. Come on, somebody. And then we're going to As we're dismissed, feel free to come forward and to be prayed with about the conflict in your life. God, I thank you so much. Lord, that, that, that you're a God that loves us. That you couldn't help but to see the separation between you and us. And to see that, that we were lost and we were wandering and we were... So, so, God, you sent your son Jesus to, to be the resolve that we needed. So that we can now come into relationship with you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they would get things right with you today. Maybe, God, some of them have gotten away from their relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would bring them back. Or that you would bring them back into relationship with you. Father, that they would, that they would rediscover the love that you have for them. Lord, it's never left them. It's never left them. It's always been there. Lord, I pray that you would help them to rediscover that love that never left. Lord, that they would look at their life and they would see the way that we have been there all along. And Lord, I pray that for those of you, these people that are, that are going through conflict, those of us that are going through conflict, Lord, I pray that you would help me to always look at myself first that you would help me to dig deep and look in my soul, look in my heart, and to see what I can do in order to grow. Lord, help me to build, build altars, to gather stones in my relationship, not to throw them, but to build an altar that I would examine myself and I would die to myself every single day. God, I love you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Now do me a favor, stand to your feet. And give God a hand today for what he has done. Come on. Come on. Stand up. Let's go. Come on. We're going to sing a song and you're dismissed.